this is Dr. David Whitlock with your Monday morning wake-up call, the podcast designed to help people wake up to the possibilities that surround them every day and become the persons they're meant to be in Jesus Christ. Today's podcast is sponsored by Lisa Suriano in Edmond, Oklahoma. Lisa, like myself, is an Oklahoma Sooner fan, so Boomer Sooner Lisa, she mails her donation to our post office address. You can do the same thing or you can donate through PayPal. Just click on support our ministry when you receive the daily quote or go directly to our website. The front page of the New York Times for this day, the last Monday of August, Monday, August 28, 1939, reads, Hitler tells Paris he must get Danzig and Corridor. Berlin thinks door is left open to peaceful solution. British answer today to insist on rights of Poland. Beneath that overarching headline, others unfold across the page. They talk about the developments in Europe. Quote, A war of words broke out last night and early this morning over a weekend exchange of letters between Chancellor Hitler and Premier Deladier, Prime Minister of France, Paris, and Herr Hitler, which contained the first demand for the Polish corridor as well as Danzig, had rejected direct dealing with Warsaw. The French government's reaction was to issue an urgent warning, the article said, to the populace of Paris to flee the city, Britain obviously acting on the theory that every warless hour was an hour gained for peace, took her time in answering the German terms by Ambassador Henderson. Then we find out in another paragraph that meanwhile in Italy, Premier Mussolini, in response to a Canadian appeal, gave assurances that he would, quote, leave untried, no effort to safeguard the peace of the world. Hmm. Well, you can probably read or hear between the lines what's going on. We're on the very verge of World War II. You may remember that Hitler became German Chancellor in 1933, and followed by a series of electoral victories by the Nazi party, he had taken complete control by 1935. Hitler moved to modernize Germans' military more quickly than his European adversaries had theirs. Hitler's first target for his plan of aggression was the city of Danzig. Today it's Gdansk, Poland. Ethnically, it was a German city located northwest of Warsaw on the Baltic Sea coast. Danzig had been part of Germany from the early 1800s until the end of World War I. So, as a result of World War I, the League of Nations had stripped Germany in control of that area and declared Danzig a, quote, free city. It was the free city of Danzig, and that simply meant that the League of Nations protected it, but the city had special administrative ties to Poland. Okay, Hitler wanted Danzig for a couple of reasons. One, it fit into his plans for the reunification of Germany, which had been shattered as a result of World War I. And Danzig was part of what was called the Polish Corridor, a geographical area area that would give Hitler access to the Baltic Sea. And that's why that headline said, Hitler tells Paris he must get Danzig and Corridor. Well, that territory had at one time been part of Germany until Germany's defeat in World War I. Remember that. Back in January 1939, Hitler told Polish Foreign Minister Joseph Beck, Danzig was German, would always remain German, 
and sooner or later would return to Germany. So the rhetoric surrounding Hitler's demands was heating up between January and this fifth month of August 1939. And thus we read the headlines that I just summarized. By the end of the week, August 1939, Hitler abandoned his pretense of trying to negotiate a peaceful settlement settlement to this, what he called the Polish problem. And on Friday of that week, at approximately 4.45 a.m., September 1st, 1939, Germany began a massive invasion of Poland, and that marked the beginning of World War II. You might say Hitler's open-door policy was to kick in the door, storm in, and take over the room and the house. Looking back as armchair historians, it's easy for us to say those countries in Western Europe should never have tried negotiating with Hitler. They should have opposed him from the very start. And that's true. But, of course, it's something we can confidently say in hindsight. Churchill, who became Prime Minister of the United Kingdom the next year, 1940, saw the danger early on and opposed Hitler's aggression. If you saw my daily quote for today, you read that statement by Churchill. He said, quote, An appeaser is one who feeds a crocodile, hoping it will eat him last, end quote. Well, the scripture I paired with that quote, if the godly give in to the wicked, it's like polluting a fountain or muddying a spring from Proverbs 25, 26. That scripture reminds us all of the danger of trying to compromise with evil. The challenge for us, of course, is that it's not always easy to see evil when it's coming. We don't see the danger until the crocodile is upon us, has sunk its teeth into us, and then... Sometimes it's too late. So we pray for peace. We pray for discernment. This is very close to us as we look at what has just been happening in Afghanistan and what's happening today. Sadly, Afghanistan is only one example. There are many more of atrocities that are happening around our world. For example, there's more than a million Uyghurs, a, a Turkic ethnic group originating from and culturally af affiliated with the general region of Central and East Asia in that area of China called Xinjiang. Uh, there are atrocities going on there today. It goes back to the 10th century A.D., CE, it became Islamic. Somewhere in the vicinity of one million Uyghurs have been taken against their will over the past few years in a large network of what the Chinese government calls re-education camps and sentenced to prison terms where they've been used as forced labor. And there are reports of women being forcibly sterilized. Some former camp, camp detainees have alleged that they were tortured and sexually abused. The United States is among several countries to have accused China of committing genocide in Xinjiang. The leading human rights groups, Amnesty and, and Human Rights Watch, have published reports accusing China of crimes against humanity. Again, we see humanity's inhumanity towards humanity. So what about us today, on this Monday, August the 30th, 2021? What can we do about anything if we can do anything at all? Well, if you're a Christian, you can look to some passage of, passages of Scripture that give us some direction. Even under the reign of a ruthless and godless Roman emperor, both 
Peter and Paul wrote about being subject to the government. To the Christians in Rome, Paul said, Every person is to be in subjection to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those which exist are established by God. And Peter said something similar, Submit yourself for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether to a king as the one in authority, or to governors as sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and the praise of those who do right. Wait a minute. Did Paul and Peter mean that Christians are always to submit to whatever the government commands, no matter what is asked of them? That would make us guilty of evil, wouldn't it? Of cooperating with the Hitler against the Jews, or the Chinese against the Uyghurs, or siding with the Afghan government while the U.S. is there and then turning around and in one day siding with the Taliban. When we read the scriptures in their entirety, we see that they do teach a civil disobedience to the government if the government or the, quote, powers that be commands evil such that it requires a Christian to act in a manner that's contrary to the clear teachings and requirements of God's word. For example, in Exodus 1, the Egyptian Pharaoh gave the clear command to two Hebrew midwives that they were to kill all male Jewish babies. The Bible says the midwives disobeyed Pharaoh and, according to Exodus 1.17, feared God and did not do as the king of Egypt had commanded them, but let the boys live. The Bible goes on to say the midwives lied to Pharaoh about why they were letting the children live. And yet even though they lied and disobeyed the government, we read in Exodus 1, 20 and 21, God was good to the midwives, and the people multiplied. It became very mighty because the midwives feared God. He established households for them. And then we read in Joshua 2 about Rahab directly disobeying a command from the king of Jericho to inform them, that is, the leaders, as to the whereabouts of the Israelite spies who had entered the city to gain intelligence for battle. Instead, Rahab let the Hebrew spies down the city wall by a rope so they could escape. Even though Rahab had received a clear order from the top government official, she resisted the command and was saved from the city's destruction when Joshua and the Israelite army destroyed it. Then we read in the New Testament that when the religious authorities who had their own police force demanded that Peter and the early apostles not proclaim anything about Jesus, that Peter, whom I just quoted about the being subject to the government, Peter boldly says, we must obey God rather than any human authority. So it appears Christians should resist a government that commands or compels evil or prohibits us from doing God's will. Ideally, we work nonviolently within the laws of the land to change a government that permits evil. Practically for today, as for the Afghan people or the Uyghurs in Xinjiang and China or millions of others, we can support ministries that aid these people. We can urge our government to do what it can do to help, and we must pray. If ever we are commanded to engage in evil by our government, we as Christians must disobey. But knowing when to do that and how to do that is something that gets complicated and requires wisdom and discernment.
There were those on January 6, 2021, who prayed, asking for God and His strength to do His will before they attacked our nation's capital. So, I look at our story today, and it, and it reminds me of several things. It reminds me of the resentment that one country or ethnic group can carry for another. And that can go on for generations, of course. The seeds for World War II were planted by the results of World War I. The realignment of Germany resulted in large-scale resentments that would allow the rise of a deceiver like Hitler. So much hatred today is spurred by resentments. Uh, observe what's happening in the Middle East, or right here in the United States for that matter, or even closer to home between you and that person you've been angry with for something they did years ago. We must oppose evil, and we must recognize that Satan starts with a foothold on our own territory, within our own soul. As for Hitler, there were some Christians in Germany who did oppose him. One of the better-known ones is the pastor and theologian Dietrich Bonhoeffer. He was one of the very, very few in the Protestant church at the time who saw through and questioned the very legitimacy of the Nazi state. Opposing Hitler led Bonhoeffer to get involved in a plot to assassinate Hitler. Bonhoeffer was apprehended by the Nazis, imprisoned, and executed by the regime in April of 1945, only three weeks before the concentration camp where he was, Flossenburg, was liberated by the American army. Bonhoeffer's story is a complicated and fascinating one that might perhaps be the subject of another episode on this podcast, It Happened on Monday. Thanks for listening today. I look forward to coming back here next week. And in the meantime, go out into this world and be the loving, kind, and compassionate person God created you to be.